it's hard at a time like this to find the words to offer you any comfort. There is no comfort. <laughs> there is only private justice. Club members. I'm Kate. And I'm Emma. And we hope you're having a wonderful Spooktober so far, but it's going to get even better because this club episode, we are talking about Emma's childhood trauma. Woo! <laughs> Woo! This is so much cheaper than a therapist. This <laughs> great. Emma, why don't you, um, for those who, who don't know about your history with this movie, your history with Silver Bullet, why don't you just tell people? So our family is like very emphatic and so we were sitting around the dinner table and they basically decided had the great idea to impromptu rent silver bullet from blockbuster so <laughs> oh blockbuster i know r.i.p um <laughs> how old was i i'm trying to think of what year i was terrified with fear you were seven because i was like nine i was also the only other movie that also traumatized me as a child was i had not even seen it was it <laughs> um, it was my friends at school. So that was first grade. I remember that trauma. I remember that because you were so scared you told me about it. And then I got scared. And all of this was from someone describing the TV series to you. Yeah, I, that's exactly what it was. And it sounded horrifying. A braver child described yep. it to Emma, who then brought that home to me. And neither of us slept because we shared a room. And now and here, here we, we are. Have. We really come full circle. <laughs> yeah, we have. So, yeah. I think a psychologist would have something to say about this. But so we we were trying to decide if I was old enough to watch it. And I really wanted <laughs> to participate in the group hang. So they were like, OK, we can watch it. So I started the movie. And within mm, 30 seconds, does that sound about right? It, it's I would say 45 seconds. Yeah. So if uh, for those of you who have not recently seen Silver Bullet, 40 seconds would get you right about the time that the head is midway in the air. <laughs> um and then before, when it's laying there, his decapitated head is laying on the railroad track. <laughs> so that was enough for me. And I was scared of werewolves. It opens pretty hot. <laughs> Real hot. I was scared for literally a year. I think it was fourth grade, actually. Like, I remember telling my teacher about it. And I'm like, now she's probably concerned about, like, our parenting or our household. <laughs> you told your teacher? Yes. And I had nightmares about uh, a wolf a werewolf for about a year. And then I also, whenever we would go to piano lessons, our oldest sister, Sarah, I thought it was really funny uh, on our way back if there was a full moon to point that out to me. So she would I start crying. Would start, she would like, yeah. it wouldn't even be, you didn't have to be a full moon. We would just say it was a full moon and she'd start crying all, <laughs> because she watched 45 seconds of Silver Bullet. It, yeah, it really did, did me dirty. It did. And you didn't watch another scary movie until... Um, signs. A long time. Yeah. And then you know what? Kate did such a good job with that. I got scared, a little scared at the end, but like healthy scared, not traumatized for a year scared. And Kate made me noodles. <laughs> like I'll get over this in a week, not five years. Yeah. And I've been paying her back for the noodles she made me after we watched that ever since. And that's how you find me I here. wasn't after. We were watching Signs and I had to pause it. And then you were like, I'm scared. I'm like, okay. So I paused it and I made you butter noodles. <laughs> We yeah, just took did. like they tasted so good. Just took like a a quick breather. All right, are we ready to go back in? Let's go watch it. Yeah, that's exactly what we did. It worked honestly, out. Worked out well. So if you're ever in doubt, have a pause. Make Eat some, some butter, butter noodles. noodles. <laughs> just center yourself. Yeah, come back to it. <laughs> center yourself. Yeah, but you didn't watch. So you you watched the first forty five seconds of this movie, um, and then you didn't watch it again until 
Oh, gosh. Um, at least late teens. Yeah, I would say at least. Well, I have a very different memory of this movie. So Silver Bullet is like one of the first horror movies that I watch. So I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and tell everybody that I have a huge bias for this movie. Um, but it's not just me. Like we did a werewolf poll. That's how we got to watch this one. I said, best werewolf movies, let's go. And Silver Bullet won by like a, a real, like a lot. <laughs> I Honestly now, and I won't spoil it, but now that I've done more reading about like people's reception of it and stuff like that. Um, and also during that time reading some of the other movies that were on the poll, I am more surprised than I initially was that this one won, but also thrilled. Yeah, because the poll, it was a werewolf movie poll, obviously, and it was Dog Soldiers, which I actually did want to watch, um, Silver Bullet, and The Howling, which I also haven't watched and I wanted to watch. And Silver Bullet got 55% of the vote. So it's not just us that liked it. And there were some comments in the um, on the patron page like, this movie is really cheesy, but <laughs> it's enjoyable. I also, part of me thinks there's a little bit of masochism going on. I think people just want to hear more about someone who is terrorized. That's on you guys. Like, I can't overstate how terrified Emma was of werewolves. Like, we went to, like, it was like a phobia. We went, it was like how I was about clowns. Yeah, no, it was a, it was an actual issue. It was an actual issue. I remember. Single when, tear running down my face. <laughs> yes, she was much, she was much older. We went to, um... The 13th Gate in Baton Rouge, uh, which is like a permanent haunt that's there, but it's like open and during Halloween. And so it's like a very high production, really good haunted house. And we went and there was a werewolf and Emma was probably like 17, 16. Mm -hmm. And it, like she like was like she wouldn't go past this werewolf. Yeah, it was a no-go. <laughs> it was a non-starter. And then he noticed that. And targeted me. And Kate had to kind of be like... I was like, back Kate off. had to kind of be like, no, cut it out. She's afraid of werewolves. Yeah. <laughs> Leave her alone. But in a real way. She's afraid of werewolves and that's okay. And I love her anyway. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I hadn't seen it since then. But I'm just really excited that we get to talk about it today. So first things first, it's time for club bulletins. So welcome back to all of our club members. Welcome. And if it's your first time, welcome for the first time. By listening to this episode, you are automatically a club member. Uh, we're just really excited that you're here. This is a very special spooky episode. So you picked a good one. Mm -hmm. And also we were talking about our poll. So the way that this club works, it's very much driven by the club members. So we go on to our social media, our Instagram especially, and we grab recommendations from club members for different genres that we were going to cover. And then ultimately our club officers, which are our Patreon supporters, get to vote on what movie wins that week. So um, if you want to be a club officer, go to our website. It's nightlighthorrormovieclub.com. And uh, thank you to our club officers for supporting us and for uh, letting us talk about endless childhood trauma and revisit that. So <laughs> um, I just want to dive right in. Film genre. You know that this is a sticky, sticky spot for me. Um, what did you come up with? Did you have options for me to choose from or did you go all in? I went all in. I knew okay, Emma always tries to tell me that I can't use. She tries to gatekeep the genre I pick. But one rule. <laughs> I only have one rule. Something else has to fit into that box. <laughs> Sometimes I, I do my best. And this one, this one's easy, though. I mean, we've made a lot of things work like corn horror. Corn horror, corn horror actually works. It actually works. You can put multiple things in there. <laughs> oh, so many movies. If you've not seen any corn horror, you need to go see some. Educate yourself. If you haven't seen corn horror, you haven't watched like more than two horror movies because they're all corn horror. But this one actually is not corn horror. <laughs> <laughs> this one is not. This one, Silver Bullet, in my mind, is fog horror. Oh. 
Well, I mean, there's a whole movie called The Fox, so you automatically get this one. I knew. I was like, that's easy. But this movie really has some effective fog use <laughs> um, by both the director and by the werewolf. So they were really, you know, doing doing their due diligence with the fog. I mean, you could hide an entire human-sized yeah. werewolf under that thing. It was thick. Thick fog. And I'm pretty sure the main reason that they use so much fog, Emma, and Emma noticed this too. In the movie, they really obscure what the werewolf looks like. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to go ahead and say this now. And I'm going to say this with love. Because I do love this movie. The werewolf looks bad. <laughs> There's really only one word for it. Really bad. bad. So that you don't really get a good shot of him until like almost halfway through the movie. And otherwise, most of it is just like fog and like cartoonish werewolf arms rising from the fog. Yeah, it reminded me of first season Buffy werewolf, uh, which is not a compliment. No, I think that first season Buffy, first season of Oz. To be fair, that was decades later, right? And honestly, I still, I liked it. I liked it. It was it was like an animatronic face and I love animatronic faces. So I like season one Buffy. I think that's the best werewolf, but nobody agrees with me. No, they sure do not. But they sure do not. But Nor should they. <laughs> no, I really like it. I'm just a sucker for animatronic faces. American Werewolf in London, uh, iconic. So good. Do they still do the um, makeup show at Universal where they will show you how they, or like they'll do some of the background of the making yeah. of that scene, his transformation scene? Emma's talking about a performance makeup show at Universal Studios in Orlando. And Emma, not only do they still do that show, it has not changed. <laughs> I love that. I love that it's still doing dated it's, it's like they're still talking about child's play. And I'm like, bro, it's 2022. That's fine. I'm down uh, for it. I'm down for some nostalgic horror. But like if you're in the lobby of that show, it's still like Wolfman. <laughs> Things like that. Yeah, they're keeping it at this point classic, you know, they're keeping it classic. And that's why I always go every time I every time I'm there, I go. But this werewolf is um, nothing to write home about. The silver bullet werewolf. <laughs> but it was on purpose that it was so plain. Yeah, I like, didn't King want, kind of want you to use your imagination more with it? Is like, that what he wanted? All I know is that he wanted the werewolf be, to be like, in contrast to like, what most werewolf movies were like in the 80s, because there were a decent amount of werewolf movies in, in books. And they were all like, big, larger than life, like, hulking monsters yeah and he he was like no i want this one to be different <laughs> I, I want him to be boring which is a bold move it's a bold move because this is like at the time of um nightmare on elm street 2 coming out so there were a lot of yeah big blockbuster horror movies coming out at the time so he was really taking a, a left from what everyone else was doing um for better or worse yeah i would say for worse and so would a lot of people so he wanted the werewolf to be plain <laughs> and really hard to see um that was his whole thing and they made they designed this werewolf and then you know who else didn't like it was the producer the oh. producer was like absolutely not this looks terrible and basically it was like this like head to head between the producer and king because king like and the and the designer who was answering to king mm-hmm. wouldn't back down and was like no i want it to look like a little black bear <laughs> cub it really does <laughs> it looks like a bear what they should have done they should have just spaced his eyes out that would have helped well if they spaced made white set eyes that would be a great clue for the rest of the movie <gasps> emma that's so mean i'm just saying everyone has different i didn't say it was bad you're saying it's bad no one likes having white set eyes okay emma's emma's bullying when the actors in this no. movie have you seen the new little mermaid 
is one of those singing sisters, and she has wide set eyes, okay. and she looks great. Do you think that the priest in this movie? Do you think the priest in this movie looks great? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, if his eyes were closer together. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh my god, I'm just kidding. Emma, you're such a you're bullying. <laughs> you know what? He deserves to be bullied. I'll just put that out there. I, popular opinion, probably. No, I don't think he deserves to be bullied. I think he. I think he was decent in this movie. No, I don't mean for his acting. I mean for his oh, actions. Oh no, yeah, he's. We'll get there, but the priest might be a suspicious person. Might be someone to keep an eye eye out for. Anyone who doesn't hasn't seen Silver Bullet like three times is like, what are you girls talking about? Yeah, they're like, they're just, they're losing it. They're losing it. One thing I forgot, spoilers. We are going to spoil this movie um, from 1985. I hope you guys are okay with that and moving right along. So they wanted the werewolf to look like a black bear and the producer didn't. And then eventually they (laughs) were like, okay, I guess we have to shoot something because we're it's time to shoot and we still don't have a werewolf decision and so they shot a lot of stuff with just no werewolf you would think they would need something just to help them be in character but i guess not i mean i guess you it's not like you're gonna have somebody crawling around (laughs) i mean that would be really effective that would be effective but yeah they mostly um they, they hired like a ballerina or like a dancer to wear like the the black bear suit and dance around and be the werewolf and then they didn't even like that so they ended up putting the actual actor, the actual priest into the suit. What? Yeah. So I don't know. I can't imagine just like, not that the priest, I'm sure he's an athletic enough dude, but like, why would he do a better job than like a... They better given him a raise if he also has to like wear an outfit that they limit, that if he was in Disney World, they would limit the amount of time he's allowed in it to like 10 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. They didn't have those requirements quite yet. They might have given him a raise because this movie actually had a decent budget. I was surprised by the budget. Really? Yeah, it was seven million, which in today's dollars is like, like ten billion, right? <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> I I haven't done the inflation calculations, but probably like ten billion dollars, just below uh, Avatar. That's right where it says. I can't. I can't even talk about Avatar. It makes me so mad how much money that movie made. But you know what? I bet they would have made a great werewolf. They would have made a terrible werewolf. And I stand by that. I I like the black bear better than any Avatar CGI werewolf that you throw at me. I'm tired of CGI werewolves. All right. I'll call off off the people who made that movie. I'll call James Cameron. Let him know. Okay, we're off. We're no longer doing the werewolf bit. Kate doesn't like it. We have to stop. Well, that was the same year that Fright Night came out, and Fright Night was also like a $7 million budget. What? Yeah. So for comparison. Okay. Same budget. What kind? So that's that leads to my next, you know, my question, which is Emma. What? How much money do you think this made at the box office with its seven million dollar budget? I wish you hadn't told me that Fright Night was the same year. That is a tough act to contend with. Um, how much did it made make? Uh, so cost seven million. I can tell you how much Fright Night made if that helps. Yeah, give me a hint. All right, so Fright Night, same budget of seven million. Fright Night made twenty four point nine million dollars. You said it made how much? So Fright Night for $7 million made $24.9 million. So this one made $5 million. Five? Oh, my God. You think it lost money? Okay, no. I take that back based on Emma. your response. Um, it made nine. I'm Now I'm really worried because Emma's game is where she... I have to guess critical reception and how well this movie did and... Based on your guesses, I'm really worried for that section. It may have a little bit of insider information. Oh, no. Well, Emma, at least broke even. Jesus. So $7 million, it made $12.4 million, which is half okay. of what Fright Night made. I mean, fair. But they didn't lose money. You know what? They, their production cost should have been lower because of 
the cheap ass god awful music that they had in the background. <laughs> the music, Listen, really. I mean, that must have been sourced online for free. Stay away. I like that music. Stay away from it. Well, it was also the same year that um, Goonies came out, and Goonies made more than twelve million. I'll just say that. Is Goonies about Goon? Have you not seen the Goonies? No. Emma. Is it about kids? Oh, my God. You haven't seen The Goonies? No. Emma, what the this hell? This is a secret. It's it's pop culture. I've seen so many movies, and somehow that one was missed. So I just don't tell anyone, because then all the other movies I've seen, I'll lose credit yeah, for. Yeah, you shouldn't. That's embarrassing. Oh, my God. Who hasn't? All right. They'll kick me out of trivia. You're Yeah, that's really bad. I'm just is it a scary s- movie? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> you're going to have to. Okay. Samwise Gamgee is in it, and you're going to love it. So just... Come over one day and we're going to watch Goonies and we'll talk about that then. I'm sorry. Mm. Guys, that's on me. I didn't teach her and that's, I'm sorry. You know what I also would like to see? What? I'd like to see Leprechaun in the Hood. <laughs> you haven't seen that? I haven't, but I listened to a podcast that was about how at a school in like Texas or something, they had an entire, um, like, you know how like in library we never read books and we watch videos? Yeah, we watched Sandlot, like the first 30 minutes of Sandlot 800 times. Yes. And the one about Helen Keller a lot. Oh, my God. The Miracle Worker. We watched Miracle, miracle Worker. worker. <laughs> Instead of but we never book. got to the happy ending. We just got to the part where she was acting out. So it was like Yeah. A we just watched Helen Keller have a really bad childhood. And they're like, have all a right, really bad meltdown. Yeah. Go to math. <laughs> so like we were saying about the librarians um, putting on videos, much in a similar manner at this random school in Texas, everyone called it in for the day. So all the teachers put on Leprechaun in the Hood for the students. Like third, fourth. Wait, you mean Leprechaun, like the original one? Because Leprechaun in the Hood's the sequel. Uh, you know what? It's really anyone's game if it was Leprechaun in <laughs> the Hood or Leprechaun. <laughs> I have a feeling that the impact on the children was similar. Was similar. <laughs> Can you imagine that? And so, like, there was a whole podcast on this. There was this American Life episode about kids who, like, were terrified from it and had to go to therapy and say that they were the scaredy cat kids. And, like, it was just like what a, what a time to be alive. I can't believe that we haven't covered Leprechaun yet. Like, if that's not a holiday episode. Uh, I want to be there for that one. Hey, someone remind me, okay? Whenever St. Patty's comes around, someone just email me. Oh, that's perfect. Okay, Mm -hmm. enough about Leprechaun in the Hood. I'm getting us off track. Emma, stop talking about Leprechaun. You're always talking about Leprechaun. Look what Kate has done to me, though. Look at how much I am initiating conversation about horror movies as someone who has professed regularly to hate them. You used to. Kate is brainwashing me. It's brainwashing We've all me. brainwashed you. You, We have indoctrinated you in the club. You have drank the club Kool-Aid. And now, Emma, you've watched five different horror movies with me this week. That is embarrassing. Embarrassing. Emma. <laughs> and you One know what else us. is embarrassing? One of us. This is for Kate. So in a similar manner, but how the turntables have <laughs> right. turned, um, Kate is voluntarily watching true crime no. documentaries that even I haven't seen. I really, and I regretted it. Oh my God, it's not me. Guys, no, it's it. not, I don't, doesn't mean I like it. It's because I can't talk to anybody about anything because everyone's talking about this Jeffrey Dahmer documentary. Oh, I wasn't even talking about that one. I was talking about the, our mother sins or my of mom. My, sins of our mother. Yeah, don't yeah. watch it, you guys. It's awful. And I, and yeah. Nick and I, neither of those. I I've never seen. learned my lesson. I never learned my lesson because everyone's like, oh, you like horror movies? You should watch this documentary. It's crazy. It's so fascinating. And it's just about like babies getting like, thrown out of moving cars don't spoil it i'm not i'm not talking about if all right that's that you know what i you're right because that probably is the end to another true true crime is just tossing babies out of cars (laughs) and you have to sit it's called the baby that flew out the window (laughs) yeah and you have to sit through like eight hour minisodes until you get to the big reveal of something horrific yeah that's so no i have not i'm not joining it's been give and take we'll say give and take 
But um, you you knew about you like Silver Bullet just from nostalgia's sake. But you hadn't seen it in a while until you came over to see it. I mean, it was a while enough that if I wanted to go get a glass of wine, Kate would pause because <laughs> she's like, "Nope, you're too rusty. Yeah, you're not gonna remember anything. Sit down. I remember where you left off the first time. Let's try again." <laughs> Yeah, that's well, fair. I, I have to ask because you really didn't give, give anything away when we were watching it. All these years later, after all that childhood trauma, do you like this movie? So, do you think I like this movie? Yes. I do like this movie. Yeah, I knew it. It's got way too much heart for you not to like it. Exactly. I love it. That's why I like Sign so much. It's the, the heart. Yeah, Emma's a sucker for some family horror values. Family ho- yes. That Honestly, that we should get matching sweatshirts that say that you were watching the sixth sense today and like it was just on in the background and whenever he was at that scene where he was in the car with his mom you sat down i did sit down and watch it loved love it yeah you're a sucker for that stuff god bless tony collette god bless tony collette she's an angel honestly oh i'm so Um, glad you like it yeah i do like it and it's cheesy you have to go into the movie knowing that they're going to play cheesy music the world's going to look bad but if you focus (laughs) i think if you focus on the character dynamics and their relationships, I think that there's good writing there. And obviously, Stephen King wrote well, yeah. the, the screenplay um, based on his... It was a novella, right? Yeah, it was a short novella in 1983, which, like, that's some pretty fast turnaround if this movie came out in 85. Yeah. Um, but it was a novella called Cycle of the Werewolf, which is an objectively worse title. So... I kind of like it. Thumbs up for that change. You prefer Cycle of the Werewolf to Silver Bullet? Yes, because Silver Bullet gets done a little, a little intense, like it, it, intensely. It's a little on the nose, I would say. I cannot believe you're criticizing the title of this movie. It's the name of his wheelchair. Yeah, it's, it's cool. It's the name of the movie. Yeah. It's the end of the movie, you know, so it's just like really there for you. So there's not a whole lot of room left for um, for the imagination. All right, listen, there's not a lot of lore with werewolves, right? Like <laughs> there is. We got the full moon. We got... Getting bit as a transformation as getting the lycanthropy. Is lichen a plant or no? What are they called? Like, what are the old-timey werewolves called? Lichen is a thing that grows on trees. That's not what I'm talking about. Uh, No, it is a lichen. Oh, it is? Yeah. Is lichen also something that grows on trees? I have no idea. It's like that moss. It doesn't matter. We're not talking about lichen here. But what my point (laughs) being that there there is an extensive lore behind it. So, yeah, I do think I do need him to step up and... At the lore. What lore are you talking about? You just talked about moss. <laughs> well, that I was just trying to help people whenever they look it up, not to get confused or <laughs> yeah. to get disappointed if That's it right. first tells you how to treat a like fungi <laughs> that grows on your tree. So don't do that. Um, I bet if I Googled on Amazon werewolf lore, there'd be plenty of books. What are you talking? So you haven't even, okay, I'm just saying you can't criticize and be like, surely there's more lore. Add more lore that I don't even know about. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to learn. No. And Cycle of the Werewolf sounds very educational. Well, it wasn't that long, so probably not. And basically, it's exactly like this movie. It's a short story about a werewolf stalking a small town. All the characters are the same characters. The only difference is um, in the novella, the werewolf could, like, talk. Mm. Like, he would, like, snarl. He would, like, snarl, growl, but it was, like, audible English. Like, they could tell what he was saying. You didn't go to church today. Yeah, he would say stuff like that. Emma, spoilers, we're not there yet. (laughs) We already said we're going to spoil it. I guess we already said it. To be fair, the entire city, the entire town, I should say, goes to that church. So it could be anyone. Anyone in the congregation. The priest is the werewolf. We'll just say it right now. (laughs) We have danced around it and in it. So And it's the priest. And it's, it's hidden in plain sight. 
I think it's pretty obvious that it's the priest. Yeah, and one review, they do note that they immediately clock the priest within the first two minutes. Listen, it's it's like barely a whodunit. It's just the whodunit for like five minutes. (laughs) I loved the part where she's collecting cans and goes door to door, and they do different various shots of the eyes, you know, of of her trying to just check and see if anyone has a missing eye. I love that. Yeah, well, so we'll get there, but there's a scene in this movie where the werewolf has... We know we know that whoever the werewolf is will have an injury to their left eye, and the one of the characters goes around town and like is doing like reconnaissance trying to figure out who has an eye injury, and that is, that was a really good scene, and that actually wasn't in the novella. That was just in the movie because in the novella they figured it out by going to like a going to one of the sermons and seeing it, and they didn't know it because they didn't they were Catholic, so they didn't go to the church that the priest was at. Mm. So yeah, the movie is more interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I do think that that's a way better reveal. Well, also in the screenplay, the werewolf could talk, the original one. No. Um, But the producers rewrote that. So I'm really grateful for that rewrite. I just want to say. It also would have really given it away if it was talking and being acted by the priest. I am i don't think that I could have watched that little bear suit talk. I think it would have been too much and it would have killed everything for me. So well, I would have made it scarier in like a Five Nights at Freddy's kind of way. Yeah, it would have looked like a little animatronic yeah. <laughs> talking bear. That's pretty scary. I'm not going to lie. I guess we'll never know. We'll never know. That'll have to be for a different werewolf movie. But Emma talked a little bit about like the family dynamics of this movie. So the the cast, the main cast, there's not many. It's mostly just Gary Busey and Corey Haim, yep, pretty much. That's, that's the, well, there are some other ones. So there's uh, our good friend John Locke from Lost. So that's Terry O'Quinn. Oh, yeah. Um, you'll recognize his face, and then now you can figure out. Now, I'm saving you from the— The Google uh, search. From the Google search and from that thing that's been in the back of your mind. Like, who is that guy? And then very randomly, this is super niche. One of the—but uh, this is because we always, as a rule, whenever we're podcasting together, have to connect it to a musical in some way, fa- shape, or form. Always. It's a, it's a rule, yeah. <laughs> so I will say that there is, the mom from um, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is one of the townspeople in this movie. And once you know, you can find her. No, she's the narrator. She is? Yeah, she narrates this movie. Oh, what well, I did not know. Yeah, so if you're a Crazy Ex-Girlfriend fan, you'll love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> They're, like, basically the same. They're basically the same thing. You know they originally had a musical number, like, whenever he was still talking in the in the play, right? What? Script. My lie is falling apart. Oh, my God. But I cannot believe you bought that. Well, I always, listen, I will always believe someone who tells me that it might be a musical. I would watch Silver Bullet the musical. Oh, yeah. It'd be like uh, American Psycho the musical. Listen, okay. I have a. I know a lot about American Psycho the musical. I cannot wait to talk to more people about it. But that's for a minisode. So stop trying to sidetrack okay, me. I will. I, will I know that. a lot about it. I got. You're just nobody trying to cares. save up many many episodes that aren't true crime, and I won't allow it. I'm tired of the true crime. There. Listen. Who? No one. No one's gonna have trouble sleeping at night because of American Psycho the musical. Well, okay, that's fair. Thank you. Anyway, back to Corey Haim, which also I had to compartmentalize so oh much God. to enjoy this movie because god it's so sad watching little baby Haim with his whole life ahead of him it's so sad so people who aren't familiar Corey Haim was a big child actor in the 80s and he became like this teen heartthrob and just kind of like was this but ter- but was like a really wonderful person with like shitty parents but was like a child in Hollywood and so that went really poorly yeah having like parents that don't supervise you and then like very easy access to prescription medications yeah, he had a like a, a bunch of trauma after that they think 
started with, I mean, obviously didn't start with, there's probably a lot of stuff going on, but like first time he drank and did drugs, he was 14. Um, apparently on the set of kind of probably one of his biggest movies, which was Lost Boys. Yeah, Lost Boys. Yeah. Have you seen Lost Boys? You still haven't. Should I? Oh my God, yes. Oh my God. Okay, we're going to have, I'm going to have to educate you. We're going to have to watch Lost Boys. You know, I thought I had seen a lot of movies, but you're really making me feel insecure about it. Good. That's my entire (laughs) role in this show is to make people feel insecure (laughs) because my opinions are the best opinions. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, Corey Haim is in this movie. It's really adorable. Um, So he's just, he's, he's perfect and I love him and he's such a good child actor. And then obviously Gary Busey is delightful he is the uncle red the heart yeah he's the heart of this movie he's the humor as well he's the heart and the humor and he was allowed to ad-lib a lot on set yes i did read that which honestly well done yeah well done i i think that gary Busey. i'm not like a huge Busey fan i don't i'm sure there are people who are but i loved him in this role i thought he was perfect i don't know that i've seen him in. i mean i'm sure i have but I don't feel like I've seen him in anything else but i associate him with this movie which good so i like him you haven't seen point break mm-hmm Emma, oh my Stop. God. You're, you're, that's my sensitive part. You haven't seen Goonies. You haven't seen Point Break. Guys, I'm so sorry. Right. I really need to stop working. <laughs> that's it. We're going to just have to. Yeah, we need to take PTO just to like, well, we're doing that for Halloween. We sure are. Yeah, we're taking, we, guys, we use our PTO to take Halloween off so that we can watch scary movies from like sunrise to sunset. So really excited about that. Also, I keep missing trick-or-treaters. Every year I have to work and I don't get to see the trick-or-treaters and it's really sad, but not this year. I also, I literally switched my schedule because I was supposed to be working nights on Halloween and I successfully last week switched my schedule so just so I could have Halloween off because it means it's truly my favorite holiday. And It's the best one. The combination of fall and Halloween is just, I mean, it doesn't get better. And this movie, if you guys are looking for for like a Halloween movie. This is a really good Halloween movie. Wouldn't you say? I agree. And I think it's a good movie to put on in the background. It's very backgroundable, but you just have to be okay with the soundtrack or the score. You really have a problem with the score in this movie. I mean, it's just very (laughs) distinct. So I'm just imagining you walking by. So like, that's not even right. That makes it sound scary. It was not scary. It's like flutes and things. <laughs> it's like flutes. I liked it. It was very 80s. Have, if any of y'all have seen the Jurassic part on the um, recorder. No, it's not it's that bad. Like that. It's not that bad. <laughs> it, I think it's charming. It's very charming <laughs> 80s music. I like it. I'm here for it. And it's also just very fall. It's it's set in fall. Well, actually, I don't think it is. <laughs> but it looks like well, it could be. I'm pretty sure those towns are always in fall. Yeah, it's like in Maine. Oh, guys, it's a Stephen King movie, so it's set in Maine, obviously. And so you're right. It's always like picturesque and beautiful. So it's picturesque. It's beautiful. Obviously, there's a lot of fog. I've mentioned that a couple times. Yeah. So lot, what, else, what else do you need in a horror movie? It's perfect. There's brutal murders. Yeah. You know, I have this great idea for you and Nick. For Halloween, uh, you should have... Put really go all in on the fog machine. Mm-hmm. We always do. And then this was inspired by our conversation about 15 minutes ago. Um, and I've just been dying to tell you. What? Then when it's really foggy, you should have Nick just crawl around. On- <laughs> no. <laughs> and so as they come to get candy, they just hear like something. Emma, and they have we no idea. <laughs> just moved into this neighborhood like a month ago. <laughs> that would be so good. Nick cannot be crawling around in the fog near the children. <laughs> Emma, my next door neighbor is the president of the HOA. Like we cannot oh, do that. Man. As much as much as I wish I could, 
Look, you don't have to do all that to scare children. Nick literally scared children just by like timing the fog machine in a scary way. No, oh, he sure did. Made that kid cry. We, we spent Halloween together last year. And yeah, some of the kids were having some trouble with the fog they machine. They wept at the fog machine. And the things that Nick actually wants to decorate our house with, I'm like, Nick, you can't do that. They will like, they will be in therapy forever. <laughs> it's like, what if we just like spread body parts across the hedges? You know, like- that's how Nick wants to decorate. <laughs> It's like we could like put some pumpkins out or we could like stand like in the trees on stilts. I'm like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> that Dahmer movie just came out. Let's just have a big vat that smells bad. See, I yard. keep having everything comes back to the freaking Dahmer documentary. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. This is why I end up watching true crime because it's just everywhere because of you. Probably we literally were going to a restaurant the other day and as if on cue, they were talking about Jeffrey Dahmer. The bartender was talking to a patron about the Jeffrey oh Dahmer God. documentary. We literally walked into this pub and Im- immediately they're talking about Jeffrey. I can't escape it. You know what? No, not today. Today I'm in charge and we're talking about Silver Bullet and it's <laughs> Halloween. I tried to bamboozle you, but you it did. Didn't work. Nice try. Not today. This is not Crime Corner. We are talking about silly werewolves and I am in my safe place. But we should actually talk about it. So for people who haven't seen this movie, Emma, do you want to give us a little synopsis, a little walkthrough? A little bit of this, a little bit of that. A little bit of that, a little bit of werewolf. So the story is about this little boy named Marty and his sister, Jane. And Jane, and also I just have to, I have to note their last names. You already already have beef. Their last names are Coslaw, which sounds an awful like coleslaw. (laughs) There was a review that was like, Come on now, this, their names are Coslaw. I'm, I'm, the next thing I expected was the potato salads to be living next door to them. It was, it's weird how distracting it was that their name was Coslaw. Like, and it's also it started at a picnic. I'm like, come on now, we get it. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> so why anyway. it was, it, it was a bad last name, but like, I, I agree it was universally distracting. <laughs> it was. Um, so it's these, two, it's Jane Coslaw and Marty Coleslaw. And they, it's basically no set in this, <laughs> set in this small rural town, you guessed it, Maine, in the spring of 1976 in a little town called Tarker's Mills, which I think is a great name. It's great so name. cute. It's like the kind of place that has like 4th of July festivals where everyone, like, it's like a cookout. Um, everyone's having a good time all the time. Everybody knows each other. Yeah, they're like pranking their sister. I should probably mention that Marty is in a wheelchair. Oh, that's important. Yeah. (laughs) Marty is a paraplegic and he's in a wheelchair and his sister, Jane, kind of has to look after him. Not because he needs a lot of looking after, but because his parents are constantly worried about him and want to make sure he's okay. So she's like his assigned caretaker that he doesn't really want. But he's he's really sweet and he really appreciates her and loves her. But she kind of resents him a little bit because yeah. of this. Um, so they the movie starts. Um, this is part <laughs> of my immersion therapy. The movie starts with this railroad worker um, named Arnie who is I don't know if he's like trying to pick up change on the railroad. He's do, having funny business times on the railroad. He's just, like drunk. walking around. He's very oh, yeah. drunk walking around the werewolf. At the, on the werewolf. <laughs> Just walking around him. A little Freudian slip. I'm not wrong, though, because what happens next is a werewolf comes up and just, like, smacks his head right off of his shoulders. And he goes flying off. And then Emma screams, and we have to pause the movie, and she's crying, and I have to take her upstairs. (laughs) That's not part of this plot I have written down. (laughs) It's not part of it. Um, So that happens. Then soon thereafter, there is a woman um, who is pregnant, and uh, at the picnic scene, we see her, Mm -hmm. or I think... The sister, Jane, sees her talking to um, her, I guess, her 
baby daddy um, mm-hmm. who basically saying, not my kid, not my problem. God, it's awful. He was like, we had fun. Why can't you just remember the fun times while she's like, I'm pregnant and I need help. Oh my God, it was so just awful. Just remember the good times. See you later. Bye. So awful. Also, just like, I know that's not what this is about, but like, don't criminalize abortion because she would have had to get murdered by a werewolf. <laughs> Yes, that is very true. That is a little... I really didn't mean that in the way it came out. I just mean she is so distraught. I think we should go to a rally, and then I think that we really should pitch that side of things. Like, like the number listen, of werewolf deaths plummeted during plummeted. the times of Roe Oh, my God. That's perfect. I'll be like, listen, I've told you guys it makes women safer, and I mean that, but you're forgetting about the werewolves. They can get you, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's medically safer, also from attacks. It's just from overall attacks. it's a win. It's a because, win. Because she's so, like, she does not want to have this baby. Yeah. And so she goes to take, like, a bunch of, like, pills. It's, But she doesn't really get to take them because a werewolf, like, climbs up the trellis to her room, comes in the window, and just, like, mauls <laughs> her brutally. All while her mom is downstairs, like... Her mom takes so long to get the gun. She's like... Where are my slippers? No, where's my silencer for my gun? Like, she takes so long. Her daughter is upstairs getting brutally murdered, screaming bloody murder, screaming for help. You hear things crashing, and her mom is, like, playing piano and then gets up and is, like, looking for the revolver, putting the bullets in it. I'm like, okay. All right, Mima. She really is going to feel bad about that. You're too late. You're too. She waits until it's dead silent and then goes upstairs. I'm like, I wonder in what condition she'll be. <laughs> oh, look, she's better now. She's stopped yelling. <laughs> yeah, she's relaxed. She's calmed down. <laughs> no, she's very dead and very eaten by a werewolf. Yeah, it's very, very brutal. And it's important that she was pregnant because she makes comments about how in this very Christian community, I guess everyone's really Christian. She's like, oh, it's the biggest crime to kill yourself, to take your own life, especially so if you're pregnant. She was like, anyone who kills themselves goes to hell, but you go like even worse if you're pregnant. Yeah, you go to like the the ninth layer. Even then she's like, but I still don't care because like this is so terrible. Yeah, she's like, I got to get out of the situation. So um, instead of that, she gets helped out by the werewolf who murders her brutally. Yeah. And it's it's important. So like, remember that for later. Yeah. Keep that in your noggin noodle. So then mm-hmm. for the third, so two people are dead at this point. Then there is an abusive father who's being a shithead and he's drunk and he's watching TV and then he's like, what is that noise in my greenhouse? And up Yeah, here, there's all these noises in the greenhouse. And Marty knows about this because it's Marty's friend's dad. It's very much like a, like Jenny from Forrest Gump's dad. What? Have You've seen Forrest Gump, right? Yes. Don't, do not try to shame me with that. I don't know, man. I don't even know anymore. You haven't seen Goonies. I have not and I am done talking about that. I will see it no. when I see it. You're not done talking about that, but Forrest Gump, there's, like, Jenny, and then her dad, like, is this really crappy, abusive, classic, alcoholic, abusive dad. Yeah. So he's a jerk. That's that's who this guy is. It's the same It's the same guy. He gets a gun, um, and then he goes into the greenhouse to see what's up. There's a lot of smog in this greenhouse. There's a so lot he- of fog all over the greenhouse floor. I'm telling you, this werewolf knows how to make an entrance. He does. I don't I don't know if he's like setting it up before he changes. He definitely like, is. <laughs> he's like bringing his little fog machines in. <laughs> it's like, oh, damn it. Climbing where's the outlet? Under the floorboards. <laughs> yeah. He's like, where's the outlet? I thought I filled this one up already. And in a great scene, he the entire greenhouse starts shaking because, as we said, he loves an entrance. The entire <laughs> thing it, yeah. is shaking. And then he chooses his entrance to be bursting up from the floorboards. <laughs> 
And not only does he kill him, but then the guy gets impaled on the broken wood and then he gets dragged down to yeah. the werewolf lair. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I liked it. So that happens. Yeah, so that happens. So we're down to, it's like a body count of three at this point. And then the worst of the murders, I would argue. Oh, that's right. This one's bad. So Marty is just, he's very aware of everything that's going on. And he is just very cautious and just keeping an eye out on everything. He is has a good friend named Brady who um, he hangs out with. They're like flying kites. It's time for him to come in for dinner. Marty, that is. And Brady's like, I'm just going to hang out here, fly my kite a little bit longer. And you get this meaningful glance back where Marty looks concerned. Well, there's a curfew. There's a curfew now because there's been these crazy murders, like these four violent murders or three in this tiny little sleepy main town. So everyone's like mm-hmm. freaked out. There's some psycho killer on the loose. Everyone psycho needs to be killer. in their house. No, we can't sing Talking Heads right now. <laughs> this is a very somber part sorry, of the movie. I'm so sorry. <laughs> just trying to break the tension. <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, he does not abide by the curfew and goes missing. So Brady's father uh, goes to the local sheriff and tries to get him to um, help. And they unfortunately find a very bloody kite still intact. And yeah. they do probably one of this the This is a good scene. Probably one of the best scenes. One, the guy who y'all will probably recognize as a character actor, but I don't know the guy's name, so we'll have to watch the movie. Um, and so he... It's Brady's dad. Brady's dad yeah. does a very good emotional scene where he like runs basically they try to keep him from going to the gazebo where the body is and he breaks Mm -hmm. free from the cops and runs to the gazebo and they do what i love where they don't show you it but they give you some hints and then afterwards he talks about how they ripped him piece to piece apart yeah so he sees something really graphic yeah i was horrible like that whole scene is probably the scariest scene in the movie and they show you nothing yeah, I agree. But I totally agree. Watching his face as he like removes the sheet from his son's like pieces. Ugh. Yeah. It's pretty fucked up. So that is the fourth and uh final straw. All of the mm-hmm. citizens start getting together. They say, We're gonna go hunt. We're we are uniting as vigilantes and we're gonna go hunt for this killer. Yeah, they're getting all stirred up throughout this entire sequence of murders, and then the child dying is like the final straw. Absolutely. And so everyone just like congregates down at this bar. And basically, they're saying they're upset with the sheriff for not having already solved the case, which is not fair. No, not not great. And but they make like a vigilante justice group. What they call it, private justice. Yeah. So the uh, basically the sheriff tries to break things up and say, you know, this is what we call private justice. This is not appropriate. And this is one step away from a lynch mob. Exactly. And Brady's father really loses it and says that he's going to go get him some private justice. He's like, how can you dare say that to me as someone who just saw my boy in pieces? So kindly fuck off. I'm going to kill this killer. So dark. We're going to find him. So grim. So part of me, like with this whole thing, I'm like, the killer could be any one of y'all. Y'all think he's a person. So why do you think he's just like roaming the woods? I guess they assume that it's like a, it's that whole like, oh, this is some crazy person that came off the train track kind of thing. Yeah. I think that's what they think because they are such a close knit small town. Mm-hmm. that they, they all know each other. So like, who's this psycho person? Like even whenever later, spoilers, they think it's a priest, they try to go investigate the priest. The sheriff is, is, is like, what? Why would it be? Why would it be the priest? And it's like, because why wouldn't it be? It could be literally yeah, anyone. Be anyone. You have a tip, go go suss it out. So they're all, you know, getting their weapons together and getting ready to go on the hunt at kind of dusk. And as they're pulling away in their cars to go to various locations where they've been, you know, they're, they're spreading out, the reverend is like running up to the cars and trying to keep them from going out saying like, we don't need more bloodshed. Please don't do this. Mm-hmm. 
And what do we get next? Bloodshed. Bloodshed. (laughs) (laughs) This was a good scene where they go in the woods. This is the peak of the fog horror. So much fog. So much fog. So much fog. And it's so effective. Yeah, I thought the fog was a very nice, very, I wouldn't say touch. It was a little bit more dominant than a touch. It was like a character in this (laughs) scene. This character did great in this particular scene. So there's a group of vigilantes who go into the woods and... There's a kind, I, I was a little bit reassured by the number of, of people that were there. I was like, maybe one will get got, but overall we'll be okay. And maybe someone will see something. Yeah, it was like a group. Yeah. How many? It was like six or seven people. Yes, it was a number of people. And unfortunately, as is um, all too common, the black man leading the group is obviously the first person that gets killed. Oh my God, um, he is. He, I did pick that pick up on oh, that. Oh so. man. So, yeah, they were, you know, falling into some old horror tropes with that one. And then just to keep it equal, everyone gets violently uh, butchered. And in one kind of, I will say, funny moment, they have like this, what would you call it? A wooden It's plank? a bat. No, it was a bat. Oh, it was a bat. I was thinking like a frat plank. <laughs> it's a bat that belongs to, I think, the bartender, the bar mm-hmm. owner. And it says the Punisher on it. And mm-hmm. it's it was a weapon he had. And he was like go, like trying to thwack at the <laughs> werewolf. And it's through the fog. So you just see an arm like thwacking at the fog. And then you see the werewolf arm thwacking at him with the same bat. And it's yeah. like I, it's like a major tonal shift from we just saw someone get ripped in half and like yeeted across the fog. <laughs> and then you're laughing. <laughs> It's one of those moments where you say, is this supposed to be a comedy or like, is this horror? Are we doing this on purpose? You know, it's a little murky. And I think whenever we talk about critical reception, I think that moments like this are kind of where the confusion comes from. Silver Bullet has a bit of a tone problem. I'll give it that a little bit (laughs) of a tone problem. But you forgot the the main part, which is all of this happens under the fog. You don't see the werewolf like they're in this breaking in the in the forest and there's all this fog and they they hear the werewolf howling and they're looking for him and then they realize that he's underneath them like mm-hmm. crawling around in the fog which is why Emma wants me to have Nick crawl around <laughs> on all fours for he's Halloween. He's little wrestling. <laughs> it's here with us. It's It'll here with us which is actually actually really scary. It was a scary scene for me. Emma wouldn't know because she didn't make it that far in first viewing. No. Nope. So she didn't watch sure this didn't. as a child but I'll tell you that when I watched this movie as a child because I wasn't that much older than you when I saw it, this scene was terrifying to me. Yeah. I mean, it's probably one of the most uh, suspenseful. Well, that's not fair. There's a lot of suspense throughout the movie, I I think. But it's probably one of the most intense of the scenes because you're getting a whole group completely wiped out. And I think it's really highlighting the strength of the werewolf and really what an imposing character is and how much he's affecting the town. Yeah. I think the only more intense and more scary scene is the one that comes immediately after this, which is the funeral for all six people that just got wiped out in the fog. And it's this really grim funeral. And then the... Do you remember what comment I made? No. What did you say? (laughs) When we were watching this, I was like, that is ridiculous. They don't need six different caskets. Oh, my God. That was so messed up because we had just seen all six people getting literally ripped limb from limb. And then it shows six little caskets. And it was like they could have fit them all in one. casket. (laughs) It's really bad. That's so messed up. But it was funny and I needed it. You know, those are expensive. So I I was just providing creative solutions. Um, Yeah, I won't apologize for that. Just scoop them on, and they're all like five bites that are left of each one. Have you seen that place? It needs an economy boost bad. It does. Yeah, that's true. Nick and I were talking about that's all. That's right, because we were talking about how expensive caskets are. I'm like, wouldn't it be funny if the werewolf 
was like the mortician <laughs> yeah. or like the the funeral homeowner and they're they're profiting off of all yeah. the caskets they're then having to sell honestly i would watch that movie i know that's the horror comedy that we need for 2023 yeah we just need a good name and i bet we can really riff off silver bullet so we'll get oh we can that. do i'll think about something i need i'll think of a pun don't worry about that but the next scene is this funeral and then all the all all the congregation starts turning into werewolves, which sounds really stupid. But whenever you're ten, it's not. It's super scary. <laughs> also, a scene much like the bat scene, a uh-huh. scene that makes you go, "What is this a comedy?" Because there's there's a werewolf playing the piano, and it's hilarious. It's a werewolf that's playing the pipe organ in a dress, and it's like suddenly <laughs> like hilarious. It goes from horrifying, it is really, really cool. You get all these really cool werewolf transformations back to back to back, which is always fun. And then there's like a werewolf in a dress, like wearing pearls, playing the pipe organ. And you're like, what is going on? What is happening here? What is happening? And then <gasps> Reverend Lowe wakes up because he's been having that dream and he's screaming. It was all a dream. <laughs> the whole, no, unfortunately, those people are dead, dead. It was um, mostly some of it was a dream. Just the dress part. <laughs> the werewolf with the pearls. Yes, that part <laughs> yeah, was not real. That, was a that, dream. Was, that would just be crazy. Uh, <laughs> that would be too much. So he, he wait in, you know, his his bid for an Oscar. He like sits up and is screaming. He's like, God, let it end. It's a bit dramatic, but I would also want it to end. A bit dramatic and, and a bit revealing. I could have done without that scene. I think that we all know at that point because. Yeah, but like I want to have more strength behind seeing the one eye on him because that was scary. <sighs> That's fair. Yeah. Emma wants more of a whodunit. I always want more of a whodunit. Yeah. But anyway, back to Marty. So Marty's actually the main character. We haven't talked about him much, so we should talk about him now. Let's do it. Let's talk about Marty. Oh, you so, mean me? <laughs> yeah, I do mean you. <laughs> so Marty uh, is a, how old is he? Like 10? He's like 10. They're, he's like with his family. They're having like a backyard 4th of July party. Um, and Uncle Red has come to stay with him. Uncle Red is like his uncle. It's his mom's brother who's like an alcoholic, but like really like has a good heart. Really like a good really with cool Marty. A really cool uncle. And um, just really good with Marty. Doesn't like treat him super weird. Um, he's just really, I like Uncle Red. Uncle Red's one of my favorite parts of this movie. Yeah, he very much normalizes Marty's experience. And Marty's very able. He like can climb yeah. trees and stuff. But in the beginning of the movie, he's in like a little um, motorized wheelchair. And so Red had a project that he was doing in the garage that he finally reveals to Marty. And it's this souped up, whacked up, goes up to 60 miles per hour. Um, Dangerous Yeah, machine. electric or uh, like electric motorized, motorized wheelchair, wheelchair called the Silver uh-huh. Bullet. Call it the silver bullet. And get it? That's kind of get yeah. Gets, you get goes back it? to what I was saying, where it, it's a little, a little on the nose, but um, you could say it's cute. If you're look, cute. if you know Stephen <laughs> King loves to have child boy characters writing silver somethings. So in it, it was what silver hi ho silver is that what they called it? I guess he's pretty straightforward with his names for things. Like like he doesn't really keep much mysterious. It is the name of that movie. Body, name of that movie. Let's just name Stephen King movies from now on. The Dome. Like, these are all very on the nose. So I guess we, it makes sense that, it, you know, this it's that's just his style, which is fine. I'll I have it. no problem with that. So um, back to Red and, and Marty. Red gives Marty a um, a this magical, not magical, but this motorized wheelchair. Dangerous. <laughs> Dangerous, Dangerous wheelchair. And he also gives him some fireworks to top it off because he yeah. is a fun uncle. 
he's fun. And also they're they're all on curfew because there's a murderer around. And he's like, hey, here you go, kid. Light these in the middle of the night somewhere else so your mom doesn't know. No, he did not say that. He does say that. He's like, don't let your mom find out, which means do it in the middle of the night that away from the not, house. That, mean, that would not stand up in a court of law. In a court of law? I don't need to because he's about to get eaten by a werewolf because he's out in the swamp alone shooting so off fireworks. He is like popping wheelies going 60 miles per hour without a seatbelt, just like living his best life in the middle of the night. And also he climbs out the window and shimmies down the house. Yeah, I think it's important to say that he's kind of infantilized by his mother a little bit who mm-hmm. does it with the best of intentions. But then he's got Uncle Red who's like, no, like, let's let's go be like a teenage boy. Yeah. Which gets him into trouble because teenage boys are fucking stupid. Ain't so that he, the truth. Ain't that the truth? So he goes out in the woods at the middle of the night on a full moon with his shiny wheelchair that makes a lot of noise and starts shooting off freaking like pop rockets, bottle rockets, just shooting them off. And then guess who shows up? A werewolf. You would think, given that his friend just died, he would be a little bit, um, you know, not necessarily like basically sending up um, signals like, here I am, come meet me. Because you know he likes kids. Teenage boys aren't very smart. Yes, not very smart. He's like a preteen. He's a, he, no, between. he's like 13. He's like at least 13. We just said he was 10 five minutes ago. Whatever. It's the same, right? How it's fast all... they grow. How fast they grow. Well, Marty gets approached by a werewolf, but he's got like one more bottle rocket that he shoots off at the werewolf's face, which is smart thinking, Marty. They do that on purpose? Yeah, it's on purpose. And it goes right into his eye. Which is very helpful because that means the bad guy's got one good eye. I like that bit. I do like that bit because it makes it a whodunit and Emma likes whodunits. This is my favorite non-action scene. So basically, Marty tells Jane, and I love this, Jane ultimately believes him caught skeptically, but she can tell that he believes it. And so she's willing to... Yeah, I like that. Yeah, cautiously and with some doubts go in to try to help him get a little bit more information. I would do that with you. Yeah, I would do that for you. I wouldn't be like automatically like, okay, there's werewolves about and like charge up my shotgun or something. Yeah, but you I would. would. You'd be thrilled. <laughs> You'd be like, I knew it. And then she I would just like the lift whole time. up. She would lift up her couch and there would just be like a bunch of guns. <laughs> just a bunch of like a silver bunch of bullets. Silver, yeah. My stash of silver bullets and salt circles and garlic. Yeah. She's immediately on board with all of the ghoulies being real. And my holy water mace TM, which I still think is a good idea. And I want to sell it. That's some great branding. I know. Holy water mace TM. You know, I don't know that you know any priests. So you're going to run into some troubles with production. But that's for another time. Listen, that's for another time. So... Jane decides to help him, like I said, and the way she does that, I think, is clever. So she goes around collecting cans, um, which I think you can recycle for money, maybe. Uh, And she she goes door to door in this very small town. She's so young. (laughs) I remember recycling (laughs) can tops. Pop tops. Pop tops. I remember that. It would be like pop tops for children with cancer. I'm like, I don't know how this helps, but I'm in third grade. So here's all my pop tops. Here's all my pop tops. Here you go. Did my part. Just to shout out Sarah, our older sister, Sarah once made pop tops into a chain mail vest for a book project on Lord of the Rings. So very impressive. Yeah. Our older sister made a Mithrail sweater out of pop tops, which was cool. Yeah. Not like, like a baby size sweater. It didn't like She did her. not win that. It did, she didn't win that uh, co- competition. That was nepotism at its finest. I'll say it right here, right now, the West Side, <laughs> the West Side book club or book fair was very stacked against us. It was rigged. I remember that I made a really, really good, if I do say so myself, <laughs> Little House on the Prairie one. And in second, no, in first grade. So it was pretty 
early. Like that was pretty high reading yeah. level for first yeah. grade. And I think they thought I cheated or something. And was just flexing her reading level. Yeah, I read so well as a first grader. <laughs> so like I just want to put that yeah, out they, there. Yeah, they did think you cheated though. And they ended up giving Are it you to, my mother? Are you <laughs> my mother one? And it was drawn in crayon. And it, it was won. drawn in crayon. It was bad. It was drawn in crayon and it was like beautiful manicured like Little House on the Prairie. She had yeah. like a whole section about like locusts, which was yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's like little candy canes bundled together. Like you had just gotten them from the um, like store, the general store. It doesn't matter. I had a, a plaid embroidery around the border that I still remember super gluing on. She's Obviously, not bitter, y'all. I'm not that good of a person because I'm literally trying to tear down this first graders. Are you my mother? Drag them, Emma. <laughs> I'm a literal doctor and my <laughs> my self-worth is defined by are you my mother winning? Anyway. You couldn't do it whenever. I remember you couldn't do a Harry Potter book or you wouldn't place. That was like a rule because they were all like Harry Potter's evil. Yeah. And we did do a Harry Potter book. So we did. You did Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, I did Chamber of Secrets and I did not win. Sorry. So basically, um, she's going around collecting cans and it's a subtle way to see everybody's eye eyeballs. And she even goes to, like, a, a barber shop. She goes to, like, a local bar. Can't find anything. She's like, stupid Marty sending me on this wild goose chase. Stupid Marty. So she walks up to the um, church to deliver the deliver her cans. And at that time, the reverend is gardening and just kind of, like, doesn't look at her or talk to her, but just basically tells her, oh, go put them in the back shed. Mm-hmm. And so she goes to deliver all these cans, move all these cans and bottles over into the shed where they are being collected and sees a bat, the bat that we mentioned earlier that the wolf used to to beat that man to death. To comically beat someone to death. Yeah. And she recognizes that because it normally is on the bartender's wall and she knows he got murdered. And so she finds that very sketchy. And it also smells like an animal den. She, she recalls later that it smelled like an animal den and it was like really disheveled. Yeah. And... It, as she's getting uncomfortable and things are getting more tense and she's realizing that she may know who the murderer is, Reverend shows He's up. He's right behind her. He's right behind her. I thought that was very scary and very good. He's like, oh, Janie, you're trembling. Come inside, Janie. Have a glass of water. I'll drive you home, Janie. No, don't ever let strange men or men that aren't strange. Don't ever let men drive you home. Dads are never, off limits. Never, never. <laughs> no exceptions. No dates. Just don't do it. They're like, that's my father. No, can't drive you home. (laughs) I made a rule and I'm sticking to it. Yeah, we're sticking to it just in case. Never know who's a werewolf. (laughs) So she goes home, tells Marty. Now they're both on on board with the fact that werewolves are real. But now they got to get an adult in because they're just kids. So obviously they call Uncle Red. And also while they're doing it just to piss off the... The reverend, they keep sending him anonymous, like, little cutout magazine letters saying you should kill yourself. Oh, my God. It's so fucked up. They're like, we know how to take care of this. And they're, like, copy and pasting, (laughs) like, go kill yourself (laughs) and mailing it to the reverend's house. I feel like they would have workshopped that a little bit more in 2022. Um, They definitely would have. (laughs) But also, like... I kind of, it's so like ridiculous. And like, what how, what do you think that this is going to actually do? It's like, we know who you are. And in, in the book, in the last one, he signs his name as Marty. And I'm like, God damn it. That is such a bad take. But to be fair, the Reverend makes it very clear that he already knows that Marty knows who he is. Because there's a whole scene where he's like trying to run him over with his car. That's what I was going to say. That's actually my favorite scene, maybe. The car chase where he's trying to run over Marty. It's, t- it's tense. Yeah, it's my favorite action scene. So, like, my favorite part of the the movie is going from Pop Tops 
or not pop tops, but you know what I mean. <laughs> going from collecting things and to to them, you know, the, the big reveal to him chasing because it's really scary watching <laughs> watching a man chase a crippled boy off the road. <laughs> oh my God, he's trying to run him off the road with his car, like just like Fast and the Furious, or like he's in a like racing for pink slips or something. In the Roger Ebert review. He says, the movie treats us to the extraordinary sight of the local clergyman in his car trying to run down the kid in the hot rod wheelchair. This is not an image that movies have previously offered us. I agree. That's That's a new take. That's brand new. Can't find that anywhere else. No, certainly not. And it works. It's really, it's really alarming. It's very scary. Um, that I encourage you, even if you just need to YouTube that scene. I think it's good. And yeah, Marty's wheelchair dies. It's it's really tense. his wheelchair dies, and then basically a friendly farmer saves Marty in the last nick of time, unknowingly because they all know each other. Literally, they, it was like, "Is that you, Marty?" I'm like, "How many people live in this town?" He's like, "I was just driving my tractor around by this broken old, broken down bridge, and I thought I heard you yelling." Yeah, I don't know. Tarker's Mill is a, a community, not a town. But the most important outcome of this is that whenever they're trying to convince Red, who's not really believing them, and it's like, "Y'all are just, y'all are getting kooky. Y'all need to calm down," um, and also don't accuse our, our our preacher of being a murderer. Also, stop telling the Reverend to kill, to kill himself. himself. <laughs> yeah, he finds out about that. He's like, "Y'all need to chill, real quick." <laughs> He's like, "Listen, I don't want to have to be an uncool uncle and tell your mom." But if you don't stop sending death threats to the reverend, I'm going to tell your mom. It's not actually chill to send messages to people telling them to kill themselves, no. especially if they're our preacher and basically run this town. So let's not do that. That's poor manners. But they managed to convince him. And the way that he gets convinced is after this incident with being run off the road by the crazy preacher man, there's paint that has come off of the car of the preacher and is where the dent is in the wheelchair mm-hmm. where he was run off the road buy a car yeah um, and so that finally convinces red that at, at the very least that there, something is up with this reverend he t- was trying to kill marty he doesn't necessarily believe this werewolf nonsense but believes that this person could be the murderer yeah someone's got to be the murderer and that's basically what he tells the police he's like somebody's got to be the murderer will you just do me a solid i and check this guy out which they do at night with no backup on a full moon. Yeah, that was a little perplexing. Not not exactly sure why they chose that what timing. What a dumb idea. Like, well, I better wait until the moon's out so it's nice and full and I can see what I'm detecting. Yeah, why would you... The murderer is going to be out at that time, out murdering people. So you probably shouldn't <laughs> be trying to interview people while alone. he's out murdering people alone in the middle of the night. Just, there were some problems here. And unfortunately, it led to the um, untimely demise of our sweet sheriff. He gets got. He gets got. You also get a transformation. That was good. I liked that one. Um, it's I, I liked it. I like it a medium amount. It, this, this is a C transformation scene for me. And, I, and that's saying a lot because I love transformations. It's okay. <laughs> so at this point, now everyone finds out that the sheriff's dead too. And so this raises further concern for Red because now they've connected this man had the sheriff go see him and now the person is dead. Now the sheriff's yeah. dead. So yeah. they come up with basically the kids convinced Red to take, they take their silver um, cross that Jane is wearing. Yeah. Marty, Marty has like a n- silver like a medallion, medallion that yeah. he wears on his neck. So they get, they give it to Red and say, Hey, can you make us a silver bullet? Cause everyone knows a silver bullet kills a werewolf. I like this scene where they get that this, was a they, cool scene. You get to see them ma- like he goes to like a craftsman who's like this. You get to see this like old timey like artsy crafting of like this making a silver bullet by melting down these necklaces. 
and the uncle uncle red's like really appreciative and he's like oh yeah like thanks like you know it's just a novelty gag for my gift what what i actually want with a silverware with a silver bullet because in the in the guy the apprentice or what's he called the the bullet smith the um silver smith blacksmith thank you (laughs) wow that was bad that was bad the blacksmith is very like He's like, oh, I understand that this is to shoot a werewolf and kill it. Here you go. Yeah, he basically is like, no, I, I hear what you're saying. You're going to kill a werewolf, right? Yeah. So anyway, use this. It was just really cool to watch because I I don't know anything about blacksmithery, I guess. Yeah, really made in a short little montage made me develop an appreciation for Yeah, the I was like, that's pretty, thing. that's pretty sick. Yeah. And then the, the blacksmith is immediately like, okay, so like this has like a low tumble and is like talking to him about the bullet. And Uncle Red's trying to be cool. He's obviously very nervous. And I was like, oh, you know, it's just a novel. It's just a gag gift for my for my nephew and my niece. What would I actually want this bullet for? And the blacksmith does not blink and is like, oh, how about shooting a werewolf? <laughs> yeah, I love that. I, I like that he was, he's, he was wise to it. Not doing anything to help anyone, but wise to it. I think he was doing it. I think he, I would say that he's the hero of the story. I mean, maybe he, if he's so knowledgeable about, well, I guess maybe he, there's no reason for him to know that it was a werewolf. He's an going old around. man. What's he going to do? I'm like, why didn't he give everyone silver bullets to go on their vigilante hunt with? That would have been you helpful. You think he's made of silver? Yeah, he should be mass producing silver bullets. Yeah, he's just giving out silver. It's really on him. The murders are on him. I'm sorry. Emma, that's a bad small business decision. <laughs> I'm just saying. They can use the money from the coffins to make silver bullets. All right, he made a silver bullet. Marty and Jane sent death threats to the Reverend. Yeah, okay. And just riled him up. Just pissed him off so he'd run them over with a car. Yeah, that's a great (laughs) idea. But thank God Uncle Red now has a silver bullet in tow. And um, he lies to the parents and is like, oh, yeah, here's like a two-day getaway that you guys can go on. Kind of mean, actually, when you think about it. Well, hopefully, is are they going to have a vacation when they get there? No, I don't, I don't think there actually was a giveaway. I think he made it up. Hopefully, he, out of his own pocket, paid for them to get away. I don't think he did. But they owe him. He's taking care of their kids. He's killing werewolves over there, so... So he stays up all night. He got the uh, the um, parents out of the house. He stays up, stays up all night, falls asleep, and is like, okay, there's no werewolf. It's a full moon. He didn't show up. You kids are driving me crazy. Go to bed. Yes. He tells him to go to bed. And he's like, this is nonsense. I've really, you know, been pulled in for one. But he's being he's sweet about it because he's like, listen, I told you guys I would stay up with this gun, and, I, and I'm going to do that. But you guys need to go to bed. Yes, he's very, very sweet. I liked it. It was, and that's the reason I like this movie is because of touches like that. Yeah. He's like, I don't, y'all are crazy, but I told you I would do this thing, so I'm going to do it. It's yeah, really this lovely. is stuff that we can't really explain well through like a plot synopsis, but like the real meat and potatoes of this movie is like the relationship between Jane, Marty, and Uncle Red. Agree. So if you like heartwarming family horror movies, watch this movie. So. He's about to send them to bed, and then the power is uh, unceremoniously cut. All the lights go out. Dramatically. Like we said, loves an entrance, loves dramatic entrance. (laughs) (laughs) He really does. And who comes through? A big old fat bear. Bear. A black bear. A goofy-looking black bear bear with one eye. It was a black bear the whole time. Just ambling through the window. Yes. He... There's a, a fight scene that ensues in the process. The um, the silver bullet gets like flung across the room and goes down a grate, right? It goes into like an air conditioning vent, which is really scary. And Uncle Red just like immediately like linebacker tackles this werewolf while Marty is trying to like with his little fingies. Use his baby fingies. Use his little baby fingies to like. Little sweetums. Pin- yeah, use his little sweetums to just like pick up this tiny little silver bullet. <laughs> 
throws it in the gun and shoots um, the werewolf right in the face. Oh, in the eye, actually, because the, the bottle rocket got the left eye and then the silver bullet got the right eye, which I thought was kind of cool. Great aim for this yeah, kid. Yeah, really good aim. <laughs> but, well, I mean, the, bullet, the, the werewolf is like right in front of his face by the time he fires it. So it's like, he, he's not going to miss. So, but anyway, the corpse like turns back into the reverend, which is a really cool... Mm-hmm. opposite detransformation scene. Yeah, I like the hair coming back in. Yeah, the hair like going away, all the fur going away was really cool. I like that scene a lot. And you don't normally get to see that. Normally it's like a gunshot and there's, and there's like a naked corpse on the ground. So I appreciated yeah. this. It was a good touch. And then, and the, maybe not the, the very best final words, it cuts back to the narrator saying, good night, Marty. I was, we were both a little confused when this happened at the end. They're like, and as always, good night, Marty, or something like that, which, what? Is he dead? Like, what's going on? Yeah. So the narrator is adult Jane reflecting back on this summer. And so it's weird that we're getting Jane's perspective instead of Marty's. I mean, it makes sense, like, from just like a framing perspective, but it's a little ominous whenever she says good night, Marty, and we haven't heard from adult Marty. I'm like, is Marty okay? <laughs> yeah, that was a lingering question at the end. Because he survived this attack. So unless I don't know if they're like, yeah, but then, you know, he got hit by a train. and It was just concerning. And also because during the movie, Red um, and his sister, who is Marty's mom, were having conversations about making sure he doesn't, like, develop bad habits or, like... I don't know, become an alcoholic or things like this. And so when you suddenly just say, good night, Marty, it's just ominous. It's just ominous. leaves a lot to the imagination. <laughs> I didn't understand that at all. But regardless, I like this movie. Yes. A plus. I really like this movie. Well, you like this movie. Um, would you like to hear what other people thought? I know everyone hated it. No, I don't. Because you gave a $7 million budget, a projected box office of $5 million. So yeah. I know this did bad. So uh, as far as tomato meter, what percentage are you saying? I'm going to say low, man. I'm going to say like 45% critics, 37% audience. So you think it was worth for the audience? Yeah. They just couldn't appreciate the um, recorder background music? Okay, you know what? Backwards, flip that. 37% critics. I think critics hated it. 45% audience. That's that's my final answer. Okay. Well, you were much like this is a test-taking skill for all of you people gotta go with your gut so oh no 45 percent for the for the tomato meter and then <gasps> audience score is actually was it really 45 mm-hmm, yeah damn and then the audience score is actually 56 percent. so it's actually better better received by the audience look that's still a really shitty score but at least i undershot it i think it's still a garbage can it's still it's still like what a, a like a nasty pile of poop is that what it shows instead of a fresh tomato <laughs> on rock tomato yeah it just shows like a feces yeah just like a stinky diaper <laughs> <laughs> I want to give you a couple of excerpt reviews. So this one is from Tomato Meter. So it's, you know, a collection of different reviewers. This is Rob of Rob's Movie Vault. We all know and love. Yeah, we love Rob. He says, this dreadful, borderline campy (gasps) movie about a werewolf on the prowl in a sedate town is long on gore and short on logic. Yikes. Ooh, that's so mean. So Roger Ebert actually gave it three stars. (laughs) Well, that's not that many stars. Honestly, he gave it three stars, but this was his motivation for the three stars. Stephen King's Silver Bullet is either the worst movie ever made from from Stephen King's story or the funniest. (gasps) It is either simply bad or 
It is an inspired parody of his whole formula in which quiet American towns are invaded by unspeakable horrors. It's a close call, but I think the movie is intentionally funny. And because I laughed louder and longer during this film than during any other comedy I've seen since Broadway Danny Rose, I'm gonna Oh my god. I'm going way out on a shaky limb and actually gonna give this movie a three star rating, which means I even think you might enjoy it too. That's so mean, but honestly, a really good review. It's a like, really good review. It's a really accurate review. Like, it's well-written, but also I agree with him. In one part, he says, I know that, that a case can be made for how bad Silver Bullet is. I agree. It's bad. But it's not routinely bad. It's bad in its own awesomely tasteless and bubble brain way. So bad, yes. I think everyone, every laugh was put in lovingly by hand. Most horror movies are exercises in unrelieved vulgarity, occasionally interrupted by perfunctory murders. This movie, to borrow an immortal comment by mel brooks rises below vulgarity i kind of like that yeah i like that too i agree and just to balance it out i gave you i have one good one please tell me yeah because i do i do <laughs> like this movie this yeah. is and, and i, I think do too people should watch it i think if you like werewolf movies or like any sort of classic or icon movie i think that this is worth a watch especially around halloween it's a little campy but the storyline i think is solid and the relationships get you through it and make you happy you saw it. The acting's really good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think and I think the kills are fun for the 80s. I don't think they're really like good, but I like them. Like I like you get to see like a guy get split in half, which is really fun. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. I think it's fun. I think it's a fun movie. So there's a gentleman named Corey Callahan who wrote a review for HorrorObsessive.com. And okay. he said as follows. As a werewolf fan, it pains me to admit the scarcity of truly good werewolf movies. There simply aren't as many werewolf movies as vampire movies, and the truth is many of them just aren't very good. In fact, there are so few readily great ones that just about any horror fan can quickly and easily name most, if not all of them. QR Horror Club. Yeah, no, really. Yeah, we can. This list always includes An American Werewolf in London, The yes! Howling. Yes. Rightly so. Dog Soldiers. Most recently, many people frequently mention Dog Soldiers and Gender Snaps. <laughs> yes, Gender yeah. Snaps. Yes. Many would include the original The Wolf Mammoth only for historical significance. Yeah. I would agree that all of these are examples of good, even great werewolf movies. However, much to my dismay, people never mention Silver Bullet. Oh, my God. And he talks about how it was old-fashioned, like it was old-fashioned style monster movie, and that wasn't in style at the time, and that... They didn't really use effects to drive things as much. And they think that with things like Day of the Dead, Reanimator, Nightmare on yeah. Elm Street 2 coming out, that it was just really hard to compete with what people were wanting at the time. Yeah. Um, and he ultimately just concludes by saying that, like we've said, at its heart, it's an earnest movie. It's sentimental and optimistic, which I think is very sweet. And I agree. I totally agree. And I also agree that Stephen King kind of shot himself in the foot. Just like, and, and I, I'm glad that he did it the way he did it. I'm glad it was his vision. But Stephen King has a very, like, classical horror outlook sometimes and he he's really sentimental for like the old school like wolfman type 50s nickelodeon movies so whenever they're like no you don't understand we want to make him really big and really scary and they're like we're going to make him plain and boring and they're like stephen king <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> we will not make as much money he's like i don't care yeah but like respect to Stephen King for that and for going with his gut. But also, I don't think it detracts from the movie because the movie's not about the monster and how cool he looks. There are other movies for that if you want that. And I do. I like doing that. I enjoy a good monster movie. But I, I like this movie for what it is. Family horror vibes. Yeah, family horror vibes. It's cute. It's fun. It's Halloween-y. It's got so much fog. It's insane. It's got a werewolf wearing a dress and pearls like viciously playing a pipe organ. <laughs> I don't know. I really like this movie. So... Given that you like it, 
I'm a little rusty, but I'm pretty sure we have to place this somewhere on the scoreboard. We do, but first we have to rate it on our own on a score from one to 10. I'm going to give it seven and a half pop tops. Seven and a half. Okay. I, I, I think that that's a good rating. Explain yourself. So I think that there are parts of it that are cheesy, mm-hmm. like Good Night Marty. That really just kind of kills it for me. What was that? There are certain scenes. I think that the reason I, I won't give it full points is because Ebert's review says it does confuse like the audience at times into thinking like, is this horror? Is this comedy? So that there are some tonal issues there. <laughs> yeah, there's big tonal issues. Exhibit A, the werewolf playing the pipe organ, you know? It's so funny and out of nowhere and at a moment where you're like freaked out and then it's just like you're laughing. Ridiculous. I think that the, the reason it gets 7.5 is it gets brought back up is the heart in it. It has good writing. It's acted well. And I think the storyline is solid. It has a beginning, a middle, and an end. And uh, even though you can guess probably that it's the Reverend, I think the reveal was good. I like how things develop. Um, and I like the part when he gets run off the road. Not yeah, for him. For That's sure. sad. But I just that found it really <laughs> suspenseful when his wheelchair breaks down and you see the car stop outside of this abandoned bridge. And then you... You kind of are wondering, like, is he going to get out of it? Is it going to restart in time? It doesn't. He literally ducks down and enters. You start by seeing his feet. And I just think it's a very effective scene. So those kind of moments really help. So a 7.5. I'm so glad you said that because I gave this movie 8 out of 10 lunatic reverends driving like Cruella de Vil down the road. I love it. Like, did no one pass see this man driving a car, ramming a child off the road? No one sees him. Like He's what? just flooring it down this down this dirt road. And I will note that this this souped up uh, wheelchair is beating the car. Yeah, it's faster. It's wilier. It can take good turns. Apparently. Yeah, apparently Uncle Red designed it with um, werewolf evasion in mind. So we're appreciative to him for that. But yeah, that is Silver Bullet. That is a really good Halloween movie for you guys that won our werewolf poll. And I'm so glad it finally did. I'm so glad that we could talk about this movie that has tormented Emma for so long. So that is why, Emma, I'm going to give you carte blanche. You can put this anywhere you want on the scoreboard. I know. As as an an appreciation and as an apology for tormenting you all those years by saying it's a full moon. I appreciate you you apologizing on behalf of Sarah. (laughs) I I will. Yeah, it was mostly Sarah, but I do apologize. But to be fair, Emma did also get out of taking the trash out for like a full year. And that's not a joke. That is true. Like she wouldn't she didn't have to take the trash out if it was dark. I was scared, to be fair. I was genuinely scared. It wasn't that far to take the trash out. (laughs) Well, in my dreams, they, they got me before I got to the trash can. So. Yeah, and, and you're the youngest, so mom's like, she doesn't have to. Okay. Sarah, well. okay, you go do it. All right. But anyway, I'm extending an olive branch. <laughs> you can put this wherever you want on the scoreboard. All I can think of is Jafar. The power, the absolute the power. power. <laughs> That's like all, where I'm at right now. Okay, so let's start with where Fright Night is, because I'm going to place it below Fright Night. Okay, yeah, I appreciate that. So where's Fright Night? Fright Night is 13. Okay, well, that's really high. It follows <laughs> below that, platform below, quiet place below, signs below. Okay, let me drop down a little bit. I know, and that's okay. Eight out of 10. Carrie, we put Carrie above The Shining. Why did we do that again? I don't, listen, listen, we did our best. Um, One of these days, I'm, no, I'm never going to revise it. I like it the way it is. Is it better than Hocus Pocus? No. No. But, <laughs> uh, but I mean, this is your decision. So. Okay, I'm going to need a little bit of help from you just because I don't, okay. I haven't seen Autopsy of Jane Doe. Oh, okay. Above or below that? I say above. Okay. And then the Vivitch? The Vivitch, um, 
below. Up to you. You've seen The Vivitch. I didn't really like The Vivitch, but I could appreciate it as a movie. <laughs> okay. Fine. It's my my turn. I'm going up. We're going to go below The Vivitch. Okay. So that's number 30 out of what, 83 or something like that? God, that's so many. 82. Yes, that's 83 now. Yeah, that's a lot. Krampus. Why is that? That is on horror movie, like top Listen, horror movies ever made. What we're is not happening? talking about Krampus today. Okay. We're not. I, we can't. We do not have the time or the energy to go into yeah. Krampus and why it's where it is on our scoreboard. But I'm fine with number 30 for Silver Bullet. And I really enjoyed this movie. It was super spooky. I liked watch, watching it with you. Yeah, this was a good time. And I'm just yeah. so grateful that our club voted for it. And that it won and that we finally got to talk about it. So thank you so much to our club. We really appreciate you. We wouldn't have gotten to do this without you. It's crazy that people want to hear us talk about um, a movie that made him a cry when she was eight. So that's that's awesome. <laughs> and I just had a really good time. Yeah, me too. Thank you guys for having me back on. It's been really fun. Y'all will be hearing from me again with um, Crime Corner, but I'm not going to spoil yeah. it for Kate. No, thank you. I don't need to have anxiety before I have to listen to something that gives me anxiety. I'll just start sending you images or like one word text. Oh, my God. Please don't. <laughs> don't do that to me. OK. Also, if you haven't listened to our, our latest true crime, go check it out because it's it's a wild ride. It's one of the craziest ones that Emma's done. For sure. Anyway, uh, that's it for this episode. I hope you guys are having a really wonderful Spooktober. I hope you have a really good Halloween coming up. Don't forget to plan your costumes ahead of time because they run out of corsets really fast. So anyway, <laughs> until next time, you guys stay spoopy. Stay spoopy, guys. Stay spoopy.